Man, it's really frustrating to have arguments on the internet these days. It's like people don't know how to not use logical fallacies. They just constantly use like things like a circular reasoning and ad hominems. It's yeah, dude. People who use ad hominems are stupid. Um... This is the Christian artist <laughs> honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Carly. My, oh. my name is Connor. I don't know why I did that because instinctively I just wait. Well, but you did that. You did that because last time I forgot to say something, and there was like an awkward <laughs> pause. But we're here anyway, and we're ready to go. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, logical fallacies. Yeah. What are those? You ask. Well, That's a great question. It's like stuff I had to learn about this year in English. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what kind of what are logical fallacies? <laughs> logical fallacies are things that people use in arguments that don't actually um, argue a point or don't actually prove their own point or position. And so they're logical fallacies. They're people things say that aren't actually accomplishing anything in the logical realm, whether for or for their position or against somebody else's position. And so they're logical fallacies. They don't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we want to do this is there have been <laughs> lots of reason we want to do this. <laughs> yeah. The uh there have been lots and lots of Facebook arguments that have come about come about now because of the Georgia heartbeat bill and the Alabama uh law. And so everybody's up in arms and everybody's posting stuff on their social media. And so and I, um uh one of my uh work friends um, who's a very strong Christian posted something about abortion on his Facebook and has lost basically all of his non-Christian friends, including his brother and his dad is mad at him and all of this stuff. And so, um, but, but the, the, the people that were arguing with him on his post literally never once argued the position. They never once, uh, presented their case and they never once attacked the position of the other person. They literally just attacked him, the person. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to not only talk about how Christians should handle this thing, um, how Christians should um, like biblically speaking, how we should uh, use social media, which I think we did an episode on that before, right? We did an episode yes, on social media. We did. Point. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, you know, just go over some of that stuff again, mostly just in terms of when do you argue and how do you argue? Um, and then talk about logical fallacies so that for Christians, we're not using logical fallacies. We're not using emotionally charged language to try to prove our point. Um, but we're, we're using the brains that God gave us and we're using the laws of logic to actually persuade people's positions um, rather than use emotionally charged language um so yeah so that's basically what we want to cover mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so do we want to just like go through some of these logical fallacies and talk about them is that the plan um well do you where do you the, start? the arguments specifically like of, of abortion and like things you've seen no i think i think people uh well, well, let me start off by saying this. Um, don't believe anything you've heard about the Alabama law. Don't believe anything. 
literally don't believe a single thing Anything you've heard about it even no you're just saying about it right now uh okay fair enough <laughs> um because there have been be so many about the things you read yes. about the element there have been so yeah i'm using hyperbole okay this is something that you used to do it's fine but it's a logical um, fallacy you're just no it's not it's just you're do you want to fight you're being too okay <laughs> yeah no um what were we talking about? Be discerning about what you. Oh yes, about. yes, yeah. Look, do your research on the Alabama law because most people have no clue what it says. And so, if you can find it, read it yourself. If you can find, you know, what it actually says, and then weigh what people are saying up to it and figure it out for yourself because lots of lies being spread around. Um, uh, but just as a just as a uh, point of obviously, right? I mean, the point is not in anything on Facebook or in person to try to convince somebody of your position. Rather, it should be to preach the gospel and to convince somebody to be saved from their sin. And then all of the other problems are going to come with that. Um, so, you know, talking about abortion is important, to, uh, you know, and convincing people that abortion is murder isn't very important as well. And there's so many scientific everything that you can Google and, and, you know, find resources to, to prove it scientifically. There's so many Bible verses you can use to prove what the Bible says and what God says about abortion. Um, you know, and those are important truths that we need to communicate, but at the end of the day, the gospel is more important. And so I think we should always come back to, we always are trying to convince people of things from the gospel using God's truth to um, communicate or, or, or uh, communicating God's truth to people rather than trying to convince them of your position, if that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I think that's most important thing first and foremost. But yeah, so, so we could either go, two ways here we could go straight into logical fallacies or we could go into um when we should we have these arguments what do you think i don't know up to you carlos what do you think maybe discussing fallacies first okay okay and then we can talk about when to kind of refute the fallacies mm uh, well, I'm going to go in – so there's a lot of these on here. So a good website to as a resource is um, yourlogicalfallacyis.com. Um, has a, just a quick, very, like, layman-style description of um, these fallacies. Very easy to understand. I'm going to link it in the chat right now – in uh, uh, Twitch chat right now. But um, I'm going to go through these kind of, like, left to right here. Um, but I won't read all of them, um, just some of the ones that I think are probably pertinent to think. You know, There's a lot. There are, yeah. And thou shall not commit logical fallacies. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, first one on the list here is the straw man argument. I think this is a, a really important one and definitely one that I'm seeing a lot when we're talking about abortion. Um, so basically, it's mi misrepresenting someone's argument to make it easier to attack, right? So you're you're claiming that someone else's argument is different from what it actually is. So you're saying like, right, like, um, um, 
people who are against abortion just want to uh, enslave women and their bodies. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> no pro-life ver- person believes that. Um, yeah. And so it's a misrepresentation of their argument. Um, it's not the like the reason they're doing those things um, and claiming to know the inner workings of someone's heart is a very good way to look like an idiot. Um, yeah. So don't do that. That's that's not a, a, a good way to. Yeah. And, and, and for us as Christians, you know, don't assume what people's religion is. Don't assume uh, that people know what their argument is. Ask questions. Get to know what you're what you're dealing with before you jump in and say something. Right. I mean, that's that's important. Don't don't assume things about your opponent. Ask questions. Right. Exactly. It it comes across a lot easier that way. And then you don't make yourself look like a fool Mm -hmm. if you assume wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. That's straw manning. Yeah. You don't you don't want to exaggerate, misrepresent or completely fabricate someone else's argument. You want to know what they actually believe about it and then refute that idea, which is, you know, that's that's how that's supposed to go. Ironically, fake news. in chat. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah um ironically you'll find that most people literally don't have an argument for what they believe yeah, they don't know what their argument um, is yeah and so that the the conversations that that i have been getting into basically end there when you ask somebody hey what do you believe show me your argument what what you know yeah they 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 instead resort to insulting me which is our next logical fallacy <laughs> The ad hominem. Yeah. I mean, Connor, I I just said I was going to go in order, and then you skip like, <laughs> oh. the entire <laughs> section. No, I'm we'll sorry. Get, we'll get to ad hominems. We'll get to ad hominems. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I was just trying to do a good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. Um, let's see. Here's another good one. Um, begging the question. So um, presenting a circular argument in which the conclusion was included in the premise. Right, So this logically incoherent argument often arises in situations where people have an assumption that is very ingrained and therefore taken in their minds as a given. Circular reasoning is bad mostly because it's not very good. Um, <laughs> so example of, of, a, of begging the question, the word of Zorbo the Great is flawless and perfect. We know this because it says so in the great and infallible book of Zorbo's best and most true, truest things that are definitely true and should not ever be questioned. And obviously... <laughs> um, we we te- technically have um a so so we need to back up with this because yeah. technically um our presuppositional apologetic which i believe we've touched on before um yeah. in on this podcast um would be considered by many to be begging the question or a sacred circular argument because we make the same sort of claim about the bible this is exactly what they're using as the example on this website yeah. right um, that God, God's word is perfect because God's word says it's perfect. Um, the issue is that's the only circular argument that could ever possibly make sense because of the Bible's lo- like logical cohesion as, as a single book. Um, but everyone, yeah. so, so the, the point yeah. here is everyone ultimately has a circular argument as their ultimate standard. So, um, when we're, when we're just having like, um, uh, normal debates about something that are unrelated to ultimate standards this is not mm-hmm. a good thing to do don't don't use circular reasoning um but everyone eventually is going to when we're talking about epistemology they have to have some sort of circular argument because mm-hmm. so for example um uh someone who says that um 
we can know things because my reasoning tells me we can know things. That's a circular argument because it's your reasoning that told you that you could know things. Through your reasoning. Through your reasoning, right. So so you, there also ultimately has to be some sort of standard you appeal to. Um, but begging the question in terms of – so maybe maybe thinking of a different example um, in a more microscopic fashion. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of a, a, a good example. Um, I think therefore I am is another one of those. Yeah. yeah. That's not what you're yeah. looking for. No, it's not. I, I'm trying to think of a one. So, so we're just sort of thinking about abortion. Um, oh, begging the question. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of begging the question in the, the area of an abortion issue. What's the circular argument? I, I don't know. I feel I feel dumb not being able to think of this, but I'm really tired. Um, I mean, the yeah. first like part of an argument that comes to my head is when people say like, you know, abortion takes away rights of women and women deserve rights, but it's like, well, I mean, right. it's not really, it's not exactly there as far as circular reasoning, but. It's. I think it's a different fallacy that's closely yeah. related. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel. Uh, I. I really want to think of an example here because I feel like it. It would help really ingrain this in yeah. us as a good thing. Um. Maybe something along the lines of. Um, Yeah, the only ones I'm thinking of are kind of circular, but they're more likely other fallacies mm-hmm. instead. Yeah. Let's ignore this fallacy for now. Let's ignore, let's ignore, this, ignore this one because I, I cannot think of a good example. I mean, we, we know yeah. what this sort of reasoning is, um, but there's a lot of other things that are kind of like more specific that this website goes into that are similar to these that we yeah but at the end of the day it's important to know everybody assumes something everybody assumes something as an ultimate standard it has to come back to a circular reasoning so eventually there yes circle there has to be a circular argument for something um for for an ultimate standard yeah it just depends on what the authority is is the authority trustworthy that you're appealing to yeah um so false cause um, you uh, presuming a real or perceived relationship between things means that one is the cause of the other, um, right? So many many people confuse correlation, things happening together or in a sequence, for causation. That one thing actually causes the other to happen. Yeah. Um, sometimes correlation is coincidental, or it may be attributable to a common cause. Um, so an example of this, pointing to a fancy chart, Roger shows how temperatures have been rising over the past few centuries. We'll set at the same time the number of pirates has been decreasing. Thus, pirates cool the world and global, war- global warming is a hoax. That's a, that's a bad argument against global warming, yeah. um, right? Um, so it's the idea that just because two things are happening uh, correlated to each other, that does not mean that they are caused by each other or by, you know, one is caused by the other. Um, Which one is this? False cause. Okay, I'm trying to find it. What's the icon look like? It's a skull with a snowflake. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
because of the example, I think. Yeah. Pirate global warming. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of this for, for an abortion argument. Um, uh, I mean, a, a lot of it has to do with, well, if you're pro-life, then you also have to be against capital punishment, or you also have to adopt children and yes. stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's not, true. Do you feel like that's a direct correlation? No, here? no, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, there's a real or perceived relationship between things that mean, means yeah. that one is the cause of the other, right? So the idea yeah. that because you aren't adopting all the children in the world, um, then... You can't you, really be pro-life. You can't really be pro-life. Yeah, yeah. When just because you are not adopting all, all children in the world doesn't mean that you actually don't legitimately care at <laughs> care My, about... Yeah. Yeah, my favorite thing to do with that is, oh, so you think adopting children is a good thing? Have you adopted any children? Right. <laughs> and just bring it back on them and being like, so we both don't adopt children. And then also bring it to, now, why does that mean that, you know, it's okay. I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's it's not a, that that isn't a direct cause anyway. Right. As to, um, yeah, I feel, or it's not, I feel that's like... not a proper argument at all anyway. That's a. That's a red yeah, you're assuming. I mean, you're not, honestly, you're assuming intentions too. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you're you're perceiving a relationship between things that's not there. Um. I think some of these will be easier to go through than others. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's going in a direct order. I'm not sure it is. What is yours next one? If you go next on the on the thing, uh, is it yeah, anecdotal? No, I didn't think so. So we're confusing ourselves. We That's why I couldn't find them. Yeah. Let me. Okay, so appeal to emotion. Yeah. You attempted to manipulate an emotional response in place of a valid or compelling argument. Um. Right. So basically, appealing to emotion as opposed to an actual logical argument. So saying, um. I mean, honestly, if so, again, going back to abortion for this, because this is kind of the context of the conversation, um, saying that um, women, uh, it's a very difficult decision for women. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so you shouldn't plead with them outside an abortion clinic to not kill their children. Right. Yeah. It's your, 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 your. Like, like in the cases of rape, you can't expect a woman to carry that child. Right. That's yeah. yes. That especially. Um, right, because you're 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 manipulating an emotional response in yeah. place of a valid or compelling argument. There's no compelling it, argument yeah. why a person just because they are emotionally distressed um, is then given yeah. the uh, the uh, the right to be able to murder someone else. Yeah, basically, um, yeah. it's I'm going to make you feel like a jerk to believe yes. what you believe, and therefore you're going to reject the truth of what you believe. Now, you know, yeah, I mean there. That's when you know somebody doesn't have an answer, mm -hmm. a logical answer to the truth that you're saying, because, you know, obviously they can't because what you're saying is true and what they're saying is false. And so they have to appeal rather to emotion rather than logic to prove their point. Uh, that's the I like the example in this one. Um, Luke didn't want to eat his sheep's brains with chopped liver and Brussels sprouts, but his father told him to think about the poor starving children in a third world country who weren't fortunate mm -hmm. enough to have any food at all. That's yeah. not a compelling reason to force your child mm -hmm. to eat yeah. something that's gross. That's also um, a different, like an emotionally manipulative thing. Yeah. That's also the difference between correlation and causation there too. 
You know, just because I don't eat this food here doesn't mean that children are going to go starving. Exactly. It's in a different country, you know? Yeah. Um, The fallacy fallacy. (laughs) Presuming that because a claim has been poorly argued or a fallacy has been made that the claim itself must be wrong. So even if someone makes a logical fallacy in their argument does not immediately mean that you can just be like, ah, they're in the wrong. No, you have to actually approach the argument um, rationally and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Honestly, um, don't just use someone using a fallacy as an excuse to dismiss everything they're saying. Um, Allow them to, to be able to like back their claim up and be like, Okay, wait a second. Yes, I see that I I used a, raw, a fallacy here. Let me correct myself. Yeah, so no. Just dismissing out of hand. Yes, out of hand. yes. And the, the perfect way to do this when uh, somebody makes a fallacy, fallacy, or I'm sorry, not when somebody makes a fallacy, fallacy, when somebody uh, has a, a fallacy and they argue poorly, is to argue their point better than them, and then refute mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's yes, the way to absolutely. do that. So yeah, because it, okay, yeah, well, it shows them that you know what they're like what the best part of their argument is and you know how to dismiss it yes okay well that doesn't really make sense because you know that's a false dichotomy there or something like that and then say but if you would say it like this that's a more compelling argument do you see that and then be like but it doesn't matter because a does not equal b you know and then i mean you can very easily do that the the example that it gives here is recognizing that Amanda had committed a fallacy and arguing that we should eat healthy food because the nutritionist said it was popular. Elise said we should therefore eat double bacon cheeseburgers every day. <laughs> so that's right. obviously yeah. not the answer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the yeah. next one is the slippery slope argument. Asserting that if we, if we allow A to happen, then Z will consequently happen too. Therefore, A should not happen. Yeah. Um, sometimes... Um, so, so the problem with his reasoning is, is that it avoids engaging with the issue at hand and instead shifts attention to extreme hypotheticals. Because mm-hmm. no proof is presented to show that such extreme hypotheticals will in fact occur, this fallacy has the form of appeal to emotion fallacy by leveraging fear. In effect, the argument at hand is unfairly tainted by unsubstantiated conjecture. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so just claiming um, if, you, if you outlaw abortion, then... Um, women are going to immediately go back to throwing themselves downstairs and using a coat hanger to kill their children um, because they are so emotionally distressed that they can't murder their child. Um, And, 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 you know, again, appeal to emotion, right? This is this idea of fear. Um, This idea that if we, if we outlaw abortion, our, our country will like overpopulation will occur. Mm. um, Right. Like that uh, people will have horrible lives if mm-hmm. right these children will have horrible lives if they are allowed to to live all of these are absolute like baseless conjecture um and no one ever gives proof as to why these things are true they just say them. right now if you would give proof that presented to yes. show that extreme hypothetical will in fact occur that's that's a good thing yeah you know and and uh the example here that it gives which is very i find very interesting uh, Colvin Closet asserts that if we allow same-sex couples to marry, then the next thing we know will be allowing people to marry their parents, their cars, and even monkeys. Now, obviously, 
just because we allow same-sex couples to marry doesn't mean that that's definitely going to happen. But the problem is we've actually seen that. Yes. We've seen uh, uh, in, in Canada and in the UK that after they pushed um, for same-sex couples to be able to marry, then other people started pushing other things. Yep. And it became a very crazy thing. And we, I think, were either 10 or 20 years behind their progressiveness. Yep. And so, but what we saw in Canada especially is the, uh, the I forget what it's called now, um, but uh, it, the, the, the man-boy love club, something like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. Basically, there was yes, this, uh, yeah, there was this uh, like society or club that got together of a bunch of guys who were like, we want to be able to uh, have sex with little boys. And that was, they were like, well, obviously if same sex couples are okay, why, who's to say that this isn't okay. And, you know, uh, that, that is true because we've seen it happen and it makes perfect sense. And, and, and uh, um, obviously the slippery slope argument um, is a plausible thing to say is, Hey, if we let this happen, this is a possibility, but it depends on the proof. It depends on, okay, well, that's ludicrous. That's definitely not going to happen. It, is it possible though? Yes. Usually if we allow blank, usually it is possible for Z to eventually happen too. But you cannot say for certain unless there is actual logical proof to sustain that claim. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I, I looked up a, another article um, to kind of like go through specific fallacies in abortion arguments. Um, yeah. Okay. Begging the question has a, they have a, a interesting little bit on here that I think helps us clear up that idea because I, I okay, wasn't yeah. sure how to, how to phrase it. Um, what it says in the fallacy of begging the question, the conclusion is already assumed and not proven is a form of circular thinking. Um, although women have a legal right in the United States, for example, to have an abortion, this does not mean their legal right implies a moral right. Historically, okay, laws in many yeah. instances that were seen to be immoral were changed. To regard abortion as responsible also begs the question. All too commonly, it is assumed but not demonstrated that a woman has a moral right to an abortion and that when she yeah. exercises this right, she behaves responsibly. But in committing okay, this fallacy, yeah. one avoids the discussion of whether indeed abortion is a moral right and an instance of responsible behavior while simply assuming that it is. Yep. Right, so those sorts of situations. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the next one on the list, though, is ad hominem. Yes. So you attacked your opponent's character or personal traits in an attempt to undermine their argument. Yeah. Um, it means against the man. <laughs> in Latin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, essentially, somebody will propose an argument, and rather than refuting the argument, you'll instead attack the person. This, I would say, is the most clear sign that somebody doesn't have a response to what you're saying. That is my my absolute like top dog. Like if somebody attacks your character rather than your argument, you basically know for sure they don't have an argument against it and you can call them out on that. Um, and I would say just endure that attack and don't respond in a similar way. You know, um, don't respond and also attack their character. Always attack their argument. Um, never call them names or... Uh, 
um, uh, say that, oh, your parents are evil for brainwashing you and stuff like that. I've had that happen to me before, too. That's that's insulting me and making assumptions about my personal life as to why my, my argument is stupid rather than proving my argument is stupid. And if it's and if I'm clearly wrong, then you should have no problem refuting my argument. And if, so if you're using ad hominems, you clearly have no clue what you're talking about. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, example, after Sally presents an eloquent and compelling case for a more equitable taxation system, Sam asks the audience whether we should believe anything for a woman who isn't married, was once arrested, and smells a bit, smells a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a classic. Um, you watch the, the Bill Nye and Ken Ham debate. Bill Nye's argument basically oh the entire time was an ad hominem. Yep. Yeah. Both times they they debated. They debated twice? Well, so the other one was like uh Ken Ham offered uh Bill Nye a tour of the arc. Uh, and they okay, had a yeah. conversation while they were going through it. Um and it was the same thing. Yeah, like yeah. He, he just <laughs> insulted him the entire time. Yep. Um yeah. Don't do that, guys. Like, seriously, if you yeah. find yourself yeah. ever insulting someone while you're trying to argue a position, you've lost. You yeah. have lost your arg- you have lost the argument. Just give up now. Like And you have lost morally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh next one on the list is um I don't know how to pronounce this. Google to quoque. Let me see if I can figure out how to pronounce this. Yeah, I, I pronounced it right. Yeah. Tu quoque. Um it's it means uh tu quo qui. Tu quo qui. Literally translating as you too. Um so it's basically avoiding having to engage with criticism by turning it back on the accuser. You answered criticism with criticism. So basically oh, okay. never answering their foul, ne- never answering their arguments but rather just like asking another question or criticizing them. Um it is a, a, the appeal to hypocrisy it's also called. It is commonly employed as an effective red herring because it takes the heat off someone having to defend their argument and instead shifts the focus back onto the person who making the criticism. This is specifically the whole thing like um uh because you haven't adopted children you you don't have a right to say this argument because you aren't a woman you you don't have a right for this argument right (laughs) like those sorts of things that's that's exactly what this is even though it's not a legitimate argument to make it's just criticizing them as a it's a red herring that that leads nowhere so so in that case then if somebody said well you haven't adopted children and i responded well you haven't either would that technically be a two quote way no, because you would be calling out their fallacy. Mm. Okay, so yeah, the example is Nicole identified that Hannah had committed a logical fallacy, but instead of addressing the substance of her claim, Hannah accused Nicole of committing a fallacy earlier in the, on in the conversation. Right, right. So it's like saying you you did this, like you're you're saying that I did this. So 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 basically saying like abortion is murder, and then saying to this person, but wait a second, you think that capital punishment is okay. So oh, yeah. obviously you don't actually believe in pro-life stuff, even though I obviously, and you know, even though you, my, your claim that you just said to me, right. was like, I literally murder children. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ignore that and say, because you're inconsistent with your views, then according I can to be my, according too. to my straw man argument that I just made up, 
<laughs> then <laughs> then you, you don't have a right to to, to claim yeah what. if you get to be inconsistent i get to be inconsistent too exactly. that's what yeah that's too quick yeah. okay yeah. that makes sense too quick we. oh well Yes. <laughs> oh, the one with the Latin words. Personal incredulity. 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 Um, wow. I don't know That's if I've seen this today. one particularly in abortion arguments. So we can go through it real quick. Um, finding something difficult to understand or unaware, being unaware of how it works, making and then making it out to be like it's probably not true, just because you don't understand it or it's complex. Um. So. Right, like, so a bad way to argue against Darwinian evolution is to say, um, is drawing a picture, the, the example here is, Kirk drew a picture of a fish and a human, and with effusive disdain, asked Richard if he really thought we were stupid enough to believe that a fish somehow turned into a human through just, like, random things happening over time, without actually addressing what the actual claim is of evolution, right? Um, just claiming, like, there's a fish, and here's a human. It doesn't make any sense, right? Then, Rather than, like... Because because you're you're showing your ignorance at that point because that's not actually how yeah. the argument would go. So so in a way, it's more just more just like a straw man in a sense. Right, but it's because you're unaware of how it works or you don't yeah. understand it. Instead you're of not you're creating personally... a different position and attacking that, you're just showing how much you misunderstand the other. Yeah, yeah. you're just being ignorant of their actual argument. Okay, so this is a fun one to do in evangelism when somebody says, oh, you're God of blank, blank, and blank. As you can very easily say, oh, that God? Yeah, I don't believe in that God either. Right, because really they, yeah. Especially when people say, oh, the God of the Bible that murdered all of his followers in a giant flood. Somebody actually said that to us at Whitewater. What? And we were like, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even say anything about that. And he continued on to something else because Angel and I just kind of looked at each other and we were just like, <laughs> how did we like, we didn't even know how to respond to it. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah. But in, I mean, in all reality, all we had to say was, well, that's not what the Bible says. Yeah. You know? And, and so that's a very easy way to refute personal incredulity and incredulity, right? Personal incredulity. Incredulity incredulity wow <laughs> incredulity incredulity it's, it's mm-hmm. okay so uh in in the case of uh credulity it's incredulity uh, incredulity yeah okay in in the case of um abortion uh okay have you have a thought on this oh uh, as for abortion yeah um I had something when I lost it. Yeah, I mean, not understanding how. Uh, well, not understanding how abortion biological works. development works. Yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're not you're, you're you're when you claim right that an abortion is just a clump of cells, and so yeah. and then and then you say no, yeah. life begins at conception. It's like ah no, I don't like that doesn't make any sense. Like this this how can how can this this fetus like show picture of very small like not as human looking thing right that's not a human right when you don't understand that it actually is a human and science shows that it's a human mm-hmm. right like that that was legitimately a thing i saw on twitter recently was or um, even saying or sorry you go first no i was just gonna say i saw um basically someone 
had either miscarried or something like that, and uh, it was a nine-week-old oh, yeah, child. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And just, you know, this very, very super small um, little baby that did not yeah. look li- very much like baby because um, it hadn't developed a whole lot yet. Um, and basically, you know, this person was saying, like, look at its little arms and its little legs, like, sort of a thing, right? Like, it's a little human. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of pro-choice people were just being absolute the, the horrible comments jerk were faces. Horrible. Yeah. Just yeah. basically saying, like, that's not a human. I'd kill that, like, sort of a thing, right? Like... And, and and it's because they're they're committing this fallacy, the personal incredulity fallacy, where they don't understand how that could be a human, and so they claim that it's not when mm-hmm. the science actually does back up that it is a human. So yeah, yeah. Another way to do this fallacy in regards to abortion is saying that abortion is healthcare and that it actually like benefits a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, if you actually do your research, you know that there's a lot of damage that abortions can cause to a woman's body, not only physically, yep. but emotionally and yep. mentally. And mm-hmm. it like, yeah. it's, it's very inconsistent and it's very ignorant to say that like having an abortion um, is like a healthy thing for a woman to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is special pleading. You moved the goalposts or made up an exception when your claim was shown to be false. Example is Edward Jones claimed to be psychic, but when his abilities were te- when his abilities were tested under proper scientific conditions, they magically disappeared. Edward explained that this saying that one had to have faith in his abilities for them to work. Right. So it's post rationalization of a reason why what they thought to be true must remain to be true. Um. So I'm trying to think of a one in in terms of abortion. Um, I mean, probably just the the sort of things where if we say say we present someone with um the science on so someone says you know it's not a human we can kill it you pre- present them with the science on it being an actual human being from the moment of conception and then the argument has progressed from there and this has actually happened in our society it progresses from okay, it's not a human, but we can still kill it because mm-hmm. it's inside the mother's womb, even though mm-hmm. their own logical and moral reasoning shows them that murder is still wrong and they believe that, then they have to move the goalposts um, and, yep. and then say, like, well, because it's inside of woman, mm-hmm. then it's murder. Or, or then, uh, it, then it's it's okay and not murder. Somebody else's answer recently was, well, it definitely is murder, but we're all going to die of global warming anyway, so... <laughs> Or, right. or well, it is it is murder, but I mean, in all reality, I think you know, I mean, it, I think offending people is probably worse. So yeah, I mean, when people say like, obviously it's murder, and like I wouldn't choose it myself, but yeah. like I'm not gonna stand in the way of other people's choice. It's like, well, no, like if you believe it's murder, why would you allow other people right. to have that? Why? Choice? Why do you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't say that for any you're, other you're, moral. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're moving your you're moving the 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 reach of your argument so that yeah. you can still stay with your position, but so that you cannot seem as bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, loaded question. 
asking a question that had a has a presumption built into it so that it could be answer, couldn't be answered without appearing guilty. So why do you hate women so much? Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's that's the main. <laughs> yeah. Why do you want to oppose the woman's right to choose? Because basically the only way you can answer that question in the same like positioning as they framed the question is by making yourself appear guilty. Yeah. Right. So if you answer, why do you hate women so much? You have to say, well, I hate women so much because, because <laughs> that's the only way they frame the question. Right. So if you yeah. say, I don't hate women, then you have to like go into another thing, but the, but the way they frame the question, right. Cause then there's someone say, say there's having, we're having a debate and this person says, why do you hate women so much? Right. They're, they're trying to imply to their audience that this person hates women when maybe they in fact don't. And instead, like they try to trick people into answering a question that can make them appear worse than they are. So, uh, burden of proof is the next one. You said that the burden of proof lies not with the person making the claim, but with someone else to disprove. For instance, Bertrand declares that a teapot is, at this very moment, in orbit around the sun between the Earth and Mars, and that because no one can prove him wrong, his claim is therefore a valid one. Um, so, so for instance, uh, the existence of God. Mm. Um, well, be, because you can't prove that he does exist, he therefore doesn't exist, but you can go the other way as well. Well, because you can't prove that he doesn't exist, therefore he has to exist. And yeah, both, both of, of those are a lot are logical fallacies. Logical fallacies. Yeah. Uh, the way that we prove to people that God exists is by saying to them, Romans one eighteen says that you know God exists, yeah. and you're that excuse because you know it. And even though you're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, and you're refusing to acknowledge that truth, uh, well, and, and it gives you know reasoning it. too as to why, yeah. like, why you know it is because of your mm -hmm. conscience and because of the design of the universe. And yep. those are those are evidences, right, provided by God mm -hmm. to indict you, and that's why you know. So. Yeah. Um, Angel had a great example of this and he, uh, there's these, um, atheists that were talking with him and he said, prove to me that air exists. <laughs> and they were like, okay, well the wind, right. You know, you can see the wind moving things and whatnot. Um, and, you know, you can't see the wind, but you can see the, the proof of it by that. And uh, Angel was just like, no, 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 I, I, those are, there are little fairies that, that come and, and move those things. Um, and they're invisible little fairies that move the, the trees and stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. You know that that's not true. You're just coming up with, with bullcrap reasons to not believe that air exists. And he's like, that's what you're doing with God. <laughs> you're making up all these bullcrap reasons because you don't want to believe that God exists, but it's so obvious to you. And that's, that's the, uh, the idea there, but yeah, burden of proof, uh, burden of proof in the idea of abortion. I can um, see this being used lots of different ways to, yeah. I mean, basically just saying something and then claiming that it's because it's in, in, you're, you're going to able to, to disprove it. Yeah. Um, so like probably something along the lines of, um, I mean, just, you can just make up like uh what's it called um 
intentions, statistics, things that will happen because uh, yeah. of abortion, yep. right? Like if you do, if you don't allow abortion, this will happen, and you, and because you can't prove otherwise, then it's true, right? And um, basically, it's oh well, I'm stating all these facts, and if somebody says, uh, "Can you back up these facts?" they can say, "No, you look it up yourself," right? It's well, no, I'm no. If you're going to say that blank then you have to back it up with facts. If I, if I ask for you, the burden of proof to look up the truth is not on me. It's on you it's because her. you're presenting the evidence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that is, that ha- literally happened to me as well of being like, Hey, show me your science, show me your reasoning, like show me how this is true. And the person would instead say, we're not going to agree. Here's some things you can look up for yourself. I'm not going to bring you anything. And I kept looking and looking and looking all over for their scientific articles. And I never found any because there were none. And so they placed the burden of proof on me to find something that didn't exist because they were lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is ambiguity. Using the double meaning or ambiguity of language to mislead or misrepresent the truth. Um, basically saying we are pro-choice. When they don't actually mean they're pro-choice. They mean yeah. w- one very specific thing, and they're only using that word specifically to, um, almost as a, a, a loaded question, right? To, uh, why, are you, why are you opposing choice? So, okay, well, what is that choice? It's, it's to murder children. And, and but they, they say it's because women should have the right to choose. They have to have bodily autonomy, right? But the issue is the issue the, the question is not whether or not they can have bodily autonomy, it's whether or not they have the right to do something to another person's body. Um, but because the child is inside the woman's body, they use that term to to claim that they can do whatever they want with that person inside their body. Um, it's just not true. You can't just kill someone because they were they're in your basement. <laughs> yeah like if they were an intruder and were trying to harm you then yeah Yeah. sure but that's not what a child is trying to do they are not willingly doing anything to be there they didn't have a choice to be there they're just there and either you as the woman chose them to be there willingly or an outside force like a you know rapist um forced that person to be there but that still doesn't give you the right to kill them right like they haven't done anything wrong. The rapist has by, by forcing this person to be inside your basement without your consent. But that doesn't mean that the, that the child is in the wrong and doesn't give you the right to kill them. So. If you don't know what we're referencing, it's a post from uh, Rachel Jankovic. Yeah, it was so, really good. I like yeah. that a lot. She, she compares, um, she takes a bunch of arguments for abortion and basically just makes it, instead of womb, it's, basement and if you're not allowed to kill someone that's in your basement then why are you allowed to kill someone that's in your room right exactly uh the next one doesn't really come up at all in in abortion stuff we can currently ignore that one the bandwagon fallacy is a is a big oh, one. Um, <laughs> appealing to popularity or the fact that many people do something as an attempted form of validation. Um, the flaw in this argument is that the popularity of an idea has absolutely no bearing on its validity. If it did, then the earth would have made itself flat for most of history to accommodate <laughs> this popular belief. Right? Uh, like, 
is because someone, a lot of people believe something does not mean it's true. So you saying, well, look at all these other people who agree with me. It's just irrelevant. It's a rel- It's an irrelevant point in your argument. It's just pointless to bring it up in the first place because we believed a lot of things that were wrong, such as slavery and such mm-hmm. as the Holocaust, right? Yeah. Masses, mass societies of people have all believed something to be right that it was wrong it has no bearing on the actual validity of that thing and this might be another more specific fallacy but um i'm assuming that saying um you know well abortion is legal would be kind of similar because you're saying well our nation like allows this so obviously it's not wrong right yeah 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 yeah. Mm mm-hmm very similar even though you know our nation allowed slavery (laughs) yeah a while so cool thing about wisconsin is we once defied federal law yeah because we didn't want to uh arrest a slave um uh an african-american slave that had escaped his master well yeah i mean so a federal a federal agent had had arrested this runaway slave and put him in prison and 500 people rioted and broke him out of prison in wisconsin and then when the federal government was like uh you need to like imprison these people um wisconsin was like eh no we we defy you that was a horrible law and we're not going to follow it yep so we can do that again people we can do it again (laughs) Uh, the next one is appeal to authority, which is very similar, right? Um, because an authority thinks something, it must therefore be true. So you cannot say that scientific consensus means something yeah. is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so or just celebrities endorsing something, or yes, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and what we mean by this is just because a a specific authoritative person believes something is true doesn't make it true it's true if it's true mm-hmm. and if you trust somebody you can assume that something is true but you can't prove it unless you check it out for yourself that's why um especially like dad will always say don't like as we're going through the series don't believe a word i say <laughs> always check it up with the bible and if it doesn't right. If, if, if the Bible doesn't say what I'm saying is true, then I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, uh, appealing to uh, an unearthly human authority doesn't hold weight unless it's true and you can prove that it's true. Right. Because yeah. go ahead. Go when on. we were, when we, when we were learning about logical fallacies um, earlier this school year, um, one of the examples that my classmates naturally brought up was, oh, well, Christians appeal to the Bible, but like, that's an authority that not everyone holds to. So that's yeah. like a fallacy. And I'm just like, that's not a fallacy. <laughs> like, that's not the same thing, but. Um, yeah. yeah like, I... yeah. Were you going to say someone else? No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, what I've been finding interesting is most of these, most of these fallacies are are like you can point to something that we as Christians use and be like, well, that's pretty close to this fallacy, but it's not because the exception is God. And that's not yeah. finding interesting. But what's interesting is if you read first Corinthians chapter one, God says that uh, through the foolishness of the message preached, it pleases him to save people. It pleases, it pleases God to use unlikely and foolish means to save people, which is the preaching of the gospel. And so as you look at some of these things, you're like, some of these things 
seem to be logical fallacies. They're not, and, and we've we've shown that they're not, but especially this one, people will look and see, isn't that an appeal to authority? The issue is, well, it's not because it's God. Like, like you have to eventually appeal to some authority. Yes, everyone has to. Yeah. God it just happens to be the ultimate authority. So right. he's the only one that's really trustworthy to appeal to. Right. And and the right the issue here is is someone else will will say, right? Like you can't appeal to God as an ultimate authority. It's like, okay, well, what authority are you appealing to? Like what on what basis do you say that? Like why can't I? And it's like, oh, because of my reasoning. Okay. So your ultimate st- standard is you. But I've we've <laughs> we've we know that you're fallible. Like yeah. objectively and and empirically, we know you're fallible, so I can't trust you, right? So it's it it's it's the idea of ultimate authorities, right? These are these are really good in microcosm. In macrocosm, they tend to break down because of ultimate authorities and epistemology. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah. So basically, right? Like even if a bunch of scientists say abortion is not murder, there are plenty of other scientists who say differently, and the actual empirical science says differently. Um, mm-hmm. so someone's opinion doesn't matter. It's just whether or not, okay, does the empirical evidence actually bear up to that? Or is this someone's opinion being, you know, used in, in a biased way? So. Yeah. What's the next one? Uh, composition slash division. Assuming that one part of something has to be applied to all or other parts of it, or that the whole must apply to its parts. Example, Daniel was a precocious child and had a liking for logic. He reasoned that atoms are invisible and that he was made of atoms and therefore invisible too. Unfortunately, despite his thinky skills, he lost the game of hide and go seek. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So something that might be true. I mean, literally what I just said. Right, the the idea of the microcosm and the macrocosm with these logical arguments is just because something is true on a microcosm scale does not mean that it's technically true in 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 a whole a holistic sense. Right, mm-hmm. just because something a circular argument breaks down if if the premise is in the the conclusion is in the premise does not mean that that same reasoning uh, falls apart when we think about ultimate authorities in God. It's because they work by different standards. Um, so, right, just because atoms are invisible doesn't mean that being made of atoms are, it makes you invisible. So and that's a really important one, uh, for people who read the Bible too, just because, uh, God commands us to do blank doesn't mean that in this area, we're called to do the same exact thing. For instance, um, in terms of love, I know we talked about this recently, we are commanded to love Christians more than non-Christians. We're, we're commanded to, in, in Galatians 6.10, um, do good to everyone, but especially those of the household of faith. Um, and for instance, how Jesus preached the gospel to people, how Jesus interacted with people. He wasn't always uh, this kind and, and uh, like soft-spoken person. He was with people that were humble but a different situation calls for a different argument, calls for a different demeanor. And when Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees, he was very harsh um, and had a different tone, you know, stuff like that. So uh, it's important to understand that from a Christian perspective, too, of uh, just because the Bible says something in one place doesn't mean that it applies to all aspects of life. 
it has a specific context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The no true Scotsman fallacy. Um, basically an appeal to purity as a way to dismiss relevant criticisms or flaws for your argument. Example, Angus declares that Scotsmen do not put sugar on their porridge, to which Lachlan points out that he is a Scotsman and puts sugar on his porridge. Furious, like a true Scot, Angus yells that no true Scotman sugars his porridge. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's this idea that, it's, again, the pro-life thing, right? Like, uh, I'm a, you know, pro-life people believe, you know, should believe that uh, there's okay. no instance of killing that is uh, acceptable. Right? And so he's like, uh, I'm a pro-life person, and I believe that, you know, capital punishment is not the same thing as uh you know the murder of an innocent and then it's like oh well you're not truly pro-life because a truly pro-life person would would say this right um then then you have to come back to defining your terms right mm -hmm. okay what actually is pro-life and you got to define your terms right yeah. and uh technically speaking all three of us are not pro-life we're actually pro-abolitionists we don't want to associate ourselves with the pro-life community yeah. or the yeah. pro -life. with the political <laughs> pro-life <laughs> movement yeah yeah um because they don't think that the gospel is the answer they don't think that it should be treated as murder and they think that the women who murder are the victims um or not the woman who murder the woman who hire people to murder their children they think they are the victims and yet they are willingly hiring people to do this for them um so so yeah so in all reality we're not pro-life because we don't want to associate ourselves with the pro-life um community the political, um, yeah, the political pro-life yeah. movement. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a better way to say that. Okay, yes, you're right. Um, but yeah, uh, what, I mean, this and, is and kind reason, of- what real, we... real quick, I just want to like specify. The reasoning for that is because, um, even further than what you just said, Connor, is is that they, basically, the things that they're attempting to do is just make like wider hallways and abortion clinics. And, yeah, um, incremental right, stuff. That yeah, incremental stuff that get doesn't- get rid of abortion. That doesn't get rid of abortions. We need to get rid of abortion. And and so, right, like, I think, I mean, even these bills that are passing, I think the, like, what was it? Uh, the Alabama bill, I think it's the only one that I've seen, like, mm -hmm. actually pass ever. Yeah. That, like, it's just consistently across the board, you, you cannot murder a child for any reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I would still disagree on the penalty- given for said crime yeah um but that's probably the most consistent i've ever seen a pro-life legislation be ever in the history of history um and yeah like the, there's there's like the the georgia heartbeat bill not consistent not biblical um nope. because that it's literally saying you can use the day after pill and murder a child right yeah um just after six weeks you, you can because it looks more like a human that way no no granted alabama is still technically an immoral illegal uh, um, unbiblical law because prison time should not be the answer right and that's what i said yeah 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 but it's the most consistent it's the most consistent before. we've seen yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah um going back to the no true scotsman thing i mean this is also a way of being like well, uh, if you're pro-life, then you also should be for free healthcare. Right. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, I'm against murder and against theft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, it's just shifting the goalposts is, again, right? Like, mm -hmm. in, in terms of, like, 
well, if you say that you're this way, then you must also believe these other things that, you know, because no truly pro-life person would yeah. not believe that everyone have, should have free health care, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. okay, well, what is free health care? It's stealing from people to make, un- to, to subsidize the healthcare industry and making it actually impossible for anyone to get good health care because the government does everything horribly. So, yeah. Uh, Chief Erickson wrote on here and said, but it is a step in the right direction. And yes, it is. It is a step in the right direction. Um, but, but God for doesn't thing- call us to take steps in the right direction. Yes. He, t- he calls us to go- to just do it. <laughs> yes. And, Be there. and so, yeah, for the same reason that we can applaud this and say, yes, this is a step oh, in yeah. the right it's, direction. It's a good thing. These, these yes. bills are a good thing that is happening, but mm-hmm. they are crooked sticks. Mm-hmm. And uh, God can certainly draw a straight line with a crooked stick, but that doesn't mean we should use crooked sticks all the time. Yes. Um, so, so we absolutely should applaud this, but at the same time say, we really think about it. This is still wrong. Yeah. We're not doing this hundred percent correctly yet. We're doing better, but this is still wrong. And so we got to do better than this. Yeah. We, we just need bills that completely yeah. abolish abortion and treat it as, as murder, a capital offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in a capital offense, that's biblical. Yeah. Right. Murder mm-hmm. receives capital offense. Or is a capital offense. Rape is a capital offense. We give the death penalty and justice is a capital offense. Yes. Yes. We give justice to people who, who do things like this. Humanize other people. like Yes. Yes. That, I mean, that's in all reality, that's, that's the best thing right there. Or or not the best thing. That's, that's what's happening right there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Best way to describe all of this. Any capital offense is when you dehumanize people. Um that's that's when you know somebody cannot be reconciled to the community because they don't respect human life yeah and, and honestly i mean we could get into a huge theonomy talk right here but yeah um it's also important to remember that the actual instances of i i don't think there's a single instance it's, it's either there's not a single instance of capital punishment actually being like done in scripture or like there's only like one or two examples um because there are all sorts of like if the victim doesn't want this person to be murdered or to to be killed right like a capital punishment then they can say no they don't need to be killed there's all sorts of like healing the victim not about just exacting revenge exactly right and there's also you have to go through due process so there has to be two or three independent credible lines of witness um, yep. And so it's not just like this person has been accused of murder; they die. Uh, that's not yep. how the Bible uh, prescribes these these judgments. It's very, very careful and and uh, specific. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the what what uh, Eric said. It's less bad <laughs> for those <laughs> this laws. That's yeah. a that's a that's a better way of putting it. They're less bad than the other laws, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the next fallacy is one of my absolute favorites. This is also used on me yesterday, um, or two nights ago, I think. Um, genetic. The genetic fallacy. Judge something as either good or bad on the basis of where it comes from or from whom it came. Mm-hmm. So rather than addressing the argument, you say, well, I don't trust your source. Therefore, it's false. Now, now granted, that can be very good at being like, okay, well... I'm not like, like you're not automatically false or your argument is not automatically false because you have um, a faulty source, but let's get a better source. Let's get one that we can actually rely upon. 
But um, sometimes people say that not as because it's an actual unreliable source. It's just because yeah. they don't they don't like the source, mm-hmm. right? So saying, "Oh, this is a pro life scientist who yep. did this peer reviewed study," and it's just yep. like, okay, but it's still peer reviewed scientific empirical study um yeah and there's like 21 of these (laughs) yep just because they disagree with you doesn't mean that they're wrong yeah Mm -hmm. maybe you're wrong or saying right like because you're a man making this argument you can't it's not a good argument yes yeah yeah that's a big one too oh no uterus no opinion that's a genetic uh fallacy and, and the funny thing is, is that we use that, uh, uh, like, we can't use that argument in any other place. And people know that. For instance, slavery. Oh, well, you're not African-American, therefore you can't have an opinion on slavery. Yeah. Right. Or the other way around. Obviously, you're not- that's not how that works. Because yeah. if that was true, then slavery would still be around. Because, exactly. Because, like, no one would have fought for it except for the people who yeah. are actually experiencing it. Exactly. Or yeah. you could put it the other way around is, oh, it doesn't matter what the African-Americans think. It only matters what the Caucasians think because they're the ones who are the slave owners. Right. Yeah. That's an honesty. That's the argument they're using for abortion. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what the women think. Yeah. Cause it's their choice. Yeah. So it basically this fallacy avoids the argument by shifting focus on a something's or someone's origins. It is similar to an ad hominem fallacy. What, what and- was that Connor? What's that? Did you say origins? Ooh, origins. <laughs> it's similar to an ad hominem fallacy in that it leverages existing negative perception uh, perceptions to make someone's argument look bad without actually presenting a case for why the argument itself lacks merit. Example, accused on the six o'clock news of corruption and taking bribes, the senator said that we should all be very wary of the things we hear in the media because we all know how very unreliable the media can be. <laughs> And I would say in this case, the, the pro-life um, movement tends to say, you know, well, Margaret Sanger was like a like wildly known like eugenist and like racist. And it's like, that's not really a logical fallacy because stuff like that is still going on with Planned Parenthood. So saying yeah, that yeah. Planned Parenthood isn't credible because, the, because of their founder is not a genetic fallacy because you can still see that today and it's not something that has really gone away yeah yeah i mean they they still black um african-american the african-american population is still the largest amount of abortions that are done in the world i'm pretty sure uh because it's it's it was very specific planned parenthood put (laughs) put these clinics in uh um low-income neighborhoods low-income neighborhoods yeah highly african-american and yeah yeah, and even even that like i I think most of the time i I, when i when i bring that up i'm not arguing necessarily that like everyone in planned parenthood right now is a racist i'm saying listen this is the origin of this of planned parenthood like um if this is what their founder believed when she's she's sainted almost as this like herald yeah. of uh women's rights but this is what she believed she she found it all founded all these beliefs on um uh nazism basically on literally a a white supremacist eugenicist who uh she got all of her eugenics beliefs from she wanted to kill disabled people and uh race and in uh minorities and stuff because then they wouldn't be able to pass on their bad genetics that's literally what she believed um we're making a, a claim about the um the foundations of the of the pro-choice system as a moral defense 
um, uh, right, because the people who originally heralded the thing um, heralded it on the fact that it was um, done for this reason. So, so th- yeah, one of the reasons, right, it's not a, blo- uh, a um, genetic fallacy is because we're not saying, oh, Margaret Sanger did this horrible unrelated thing and yeah. so we shouldn't trust her. It's like, no, the pro- pro-choice arguments are based on the, in their foundation upon Nazi eugenics. <laughs> That's what it is, right? And so it's it's how to prove that this is what you guys believe is to point to the originator of the, the originator those of beliefs. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, to be honest, she's not the originator of those beliefs because so many ancient societies have had child sacrifice as a thing, but <laughs> but yeah. in America, largely, she's the origin. Not the origin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, th- th- that makes sense, everybody. I think that we didn't just contradict ourselves with that <laughs> that last one, the genetic fallacy. I think so. Yeah. Um. Now, obviously, if we said, well, because uh. What's her name? Margaret Singer was racist, therefore abortion is murder. That would That's be a, a bad argument. Fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but, but, but again, fallacies are only fallacies. Um, or only or only uh, fallacies that you should disregard the argument if it's actually not true. But like the fallacy, fallacy. If somebody's coming to a wrong conclusion. Uh, or something coming to a right conclusion based upon um, faulty evidence that doesn't mean their conclusion is wrong if it's actually true. And so, again, we have to come back to the fallacy fallacy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that more clears that up. Yeah. The next one is black or white. Uh, presenting two alternative states as the only possibilities when, in fact, more possibilities exist. So it's the mm-hmm. false dilemma. So basically saying... Um, you either, uh, we're, we're either living in the handmaid's tale or there's freedom for women. Yep. Uh, right. Like either, either you are oppressing women or you allow them to have abortions. There's no middle yep. ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Various. I mean, and there's also various examples of other things we've said as we've gone through this, that fit into this, yeah. this, uh, fallacy. And, and I, I want to clarify uh, the term black and white, literally every single decision every single person makes in their entire lives is either right or wrong. That's not a black and white fallacy. Black and white fallacy is you give somebody two, two um, choices when in fact there are other choices. But in all reality, if you look at your Bible and you actually read it according to Jeremiah 17, 9, Romans 14, 23, James 4, 17, Romans 3, 10 through 18, uh, Mark 10, 17. What are some of the other ones? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, right? All of those verses, you can clearly see that every single thing a person ever does is either good or evil. Um, and in all reality, Romans 8, 8 says, anybody who is out of outside of Christ only does evil. Everybody who is in Christ has the ability now to do good. Because those in the flesh cannot please God. That's what Romans 8.8 8 says. So uh, we have to remember that too. Um, that, that's not a black and white fallacy. That is a true statement. 
Okay, appeal to nature, because we already went through the other one. Yeah. I, I could see this being used in, in abortion, right? So it's arguing that something is natural, therefore it is valid, justified, inevitable, good, or ideal. So um, animals eat their young to mm-hmm. control population. So it doesn't matter if we eat it. We're just, we're just controlling the population. It's totally fine. It's natural. Uh, yeah. That's bad. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it doesn't mean it's good or justifiable. Um, right, murder could be seen as very natural in any instance, right, of murder, yeah. right? Because it happens all the time. People, uh, animals just kill each other. That's the thing. People just have urges to kill each other. It's a thing. So why not just let it happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not good or bad. Um, but obviously it is, and we know that. As human beings, we have moral faculties. Um, we make justified decisions and non-justified decisions, and we know that anecdotal is the next one used a personal experience or an isolated example instead of a sound argument or compelling evidence mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so saying um something along the lines of um women at abortion clinics are only there because they are in a um uh they're poor or they mm-hmm. have to you know it's life-threatening um, because those are the people that I've heard got abortions. Yeah, or or the extreme cases of rape. Right. When in all reality, it's 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 uh, so much less. It's, a, it's a based on a personal experience or an isolated example instead of yeah. a sound argument or compelling evidence. When yeah. you look at the actual statistics, statistics on abortions, less than less than twenty percent of abortion, no, less than twenty one percent of of all abortions are done for. Um, the reasons such as socioeconomic or rape or incest or any of those like or medical reasons and 20 percent of that is they the person has decided they for a social or economic reason they can't bear the child less like one percent or less of these instances are rape incest or medical reasons less yeah. than one percent yeah and in our reality what i what i always try to get people to understand is if we can just agree that that abortion for the sake of convenience is the most despicable evil ever, mm-hmm. then we can talk about this 1% over here. And I'd love to talk about this 1% over here yeah. and give you what the Bible says about it. And we can come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to think that the 1% is, is, um, is uh, it's okay to murder in that case, then obviously we disagree, but at least we're not going to murder hundreds of thousands of children anymore or millions, literally millions mm-hmm. of children. So, but, but people don't want to, um, do that. And so they use the personal experiences or the isolated examples, um, to prove their point, which is to justify that abortion should should exist as an option. But the issue is like something like 70 to 80% of abortions are, are done for no reason at all, or just convenience, or they felt like it basically reasons like that. And, and that's what we've definitely seen being at the abortion clinic is you can tell that these women, they aren't really conflicted about this decision. They yeah. just, they're just doing it. Yep. So. The Texas sharpshooter is the next one. You cherry picked a data cluster to suit your argument or found a pattern to fit a presumption. Ooh, that's, that's pretty, pretty similar to the I thing mean, we just said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you just take data from Planned Parenthood about <laughs> yeah. stuff that they do at their facilities, yes. then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
not really no. gonna it's not going to appeal well to the person that you're trying to argue with if you're claiming to be pro-choice and they don't want to kill children mm-hmm. yeah that's very similar uh this false cause fallacy has coined a marksman shooting randomly at barns and then painting bullseye targets around the spot where most bullets appear mm. bullet holes appear making it appear as if he's a really good shot Clusters naturally appear by chance, but don't necessarily indicate that there is a causal relationship. The example is, the makers of sugarette candy drinks point to research showing that of the five countries where sugarette drinks sell the most units, three of them are in the top ten healthiest countries on Earth. Therefore, (laughs) sugarette drinks are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so middle ground is the... Oh, is he on the Twitch? Yeah, he's on chat. All right. He said isogesis, question mark? (laughs) <laughs> right this is what this is too right yeah no you're, kidding you're, you you pick oh maybe like the the i'm trying to think of a, a verse specifically um but maybe you're okay I, the no no for for this for abortion shall oh, not judge. For abortion. oh. <laughs> yeah thou shall not judge or um yeah. the one i was thinking of is um basically life comes when you breathe oh yeah because of genesis yeah. right like when yeah <laughs> That's God a put the one. breath of life in someone. It's just like, yeah. okay, I, you obviously haven't read the rest of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so funny, though, when people use verses out of context and think that they're mm-hmm. smart. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I'm telling you. Yeah, but okay, so here's here's the last one. So middle ground. You claimed that a compromise or middle point between two extremes must be the truth. Simply because there are two extremes. Yeah. yeah. Um, much of the time, the truth does indeed lie between two extreme points, but this can be biased. This can bias our thinking. Sometimes a thing is simply untrue, and a compromise of it is also untrue. Halfway between truth and a lie is still a lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this would be kind of like saying, like, oh well, maybe we can find a middle ground. Maybe not all abortions are allowed, but you know, some for cases of rape and incest mm-hmm. and stuff like yep. that, instead of just outlawing it altogether. Which is because... honestly what most people probably believe. Like yeah. I believe most people in America probably believe that. The issue is it's yeah. still not right. Mm-hmm. And and because these are still human beings with value and worth and beauty. Yeah. Um, and just because they are, like this is just, it isn't the way that we think about medical science in any other situation. Yeah. So, for example, right, if, if it's like a medical reason that someone's getting an abortion, you don't you don't like have two patients on on operating tables. One has like um, it needs to get their tooth taken out and, and the other one like uh, needs like a heart transplant. You don't look at the patient with the tooth, the, the tooth uh, needs to be taken out and you say, well, I guess we're just going to like kill this person, take their good heart and give it to this other person because that's the way we can save this person. That, right, but that's literally the the logic that's being used to say, mm-hmm. if there's an abo- a complication, a medical complication, we must kill the child to save the mother. That's not how medical science works. You save both. You try to save yeah. both. You do everything you can to save both. And if one dies in the process, then that is a horrible tragedy. But at least you didn't intentionally decide to murder someone, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and, and especially now, we have so much science that is helping us be able to solve those medical complications, such as artificial wombs and surgeries where the baby can be taken out of the womb. There can be surgery done on the child or the mother, and then the, the baby can be put back in to continue developing as a normal human child. Like, 
these are is, is abortion is an excuse it's an excuse to hate someone by murdering them it's it's not a uh, an answer to this question yeah so. So yeah, so that is all of the logical. logical or at least listen on this this website. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's there more. more. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that's that's. I mean, that's a whole. I mean, really, I think that's every single argument I've seen for abortion in the past two weeks debunked right there. Yeah, they're all fallacies. <laughs> um, and like legitimately, I can't think of a single good uh argument that i've seen that didn't use one of these fallacies which i think is really interesting um oh yeah uh so so luca g was referencing genesis 2 7 as an argument for life beginning outside mm-hmm. the womb um someone used that with me a few days ago yeah like so the breath of life just stuff, gonna, yeah. that's what he meant by i was just gonna use that one yeah okay uh yeah but no uh these these are very easy basic ways to tell if somebody's telling the truth or not is when you start to see logical fallacies i think that's the main thing we should get from this is if somebody is only using logical fallacies it's very easy to be like yeah i don't think what you're saying is true then um (laughs) or at least you're not very confident in your own argument yes and uh that's that's basically if you're seeing two people argue and one of them just keeps using logical fallacies and one of them never uses logical fallacies. You don't, you can't just automatically assume, well, because this person knows what okay, to argue. Cause that would be the fallacy fallacy. Yeah. That'd be the fallacy yeah, fallacy. Yeah. But, but that's, that's the reason you should know what logical fallacies are. It's not just so you can uh, point out, Hey friends, you know, that was a logical fallacy. Uh, you didn't use that correctly, but also it's just very wise to know these things to be able to tell, to, to help be discerning as to these things but but again logical fallacy fallacy uh or the fallacy fallacy so mm-hmm. um but right like if the only arguments they can give are riddled with logical logical fallacies that at least at the very least it shows they don't understand the argument very well so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay so yeah so connor general thoughts on like uh the second part of this right like uh arguing online and yeah so so here's here's what i want to say first thing foremost mm-hmm. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that Christians need to be on social media saying these things, um, speaking truth and preaching the gospel. And, uh, we should never be against using social media in this way. Um, perfect example in scripture of this is Philippians 1, 15 through 18, which basically says whether in pretense or truth, if the gospel is preached, I will rejoice. Hmm. Right. And so. Whether or not social media is the best way to preach the gospel or not is irrelevant. We need to preach the gospel. And I would personally say that if there is a social media medium that millions of people are on where Christians aren't preaching the gospel, it then needs to become a point to, to do that. And we need to be in all these areas of life. For, the, for instance, we, we try to do this with location, right? Churches do this all the time with location. Oh, nobody's preaching the gospel over here. Let's go there. And we somehow think that's more important than local evangelism, which is stupid. Um, But, and obviously we should do both, but, but here's the issue is we, we think that in terms of like social media or, or um, just different locations in different places, we think, well, well, let's not touch those things because they're not the most 
you know, effective way to do things. No, whether the gospel is preached, whether pretense or in truth, the gospel is preached in this, I will rejoice. Yes. And I will rejoice. Of, of course. Why would we be mad at somebody speaking truth ever? Unless they're speaking truth in a way that's uh, um, meant to lord it over someone or they're using the truth, not rightly, which is what uh, elsewhere in scripture commands us to do to use the word of God rightly. Um, so so yeah, so obviously I think absolutely social media is a public square and Christians need to be on it speaking truth and being good examples, especially because we have so many bad examples of Christians. And so we need to be doing that. Um, and the same thing is true in just open air. We need to be um, preaching the gospel um, everywhere. In, in open air, in, in the open square, we need to be preaching the gospel in the open where people can see us, even if we're not directly speaking to person one-on-one, if the gospel is preached in this, I rejoice. Whether or not it's the most effective way to preach it to someone is irrelevant because effectiveness is not up to us. Effectiveness is up to God. We be faithful and honorable to, to God and honoring his word. And we let God work out the effectiveness. We let God work out the details. And that's the most important, important thing that I want us to get out of this. Um, and obviously at the beginning, I said, we need to make all of these issues, especially the abortion issue about the gospel. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so what uh, Luke is saying on here is we should not let pro murdered dominate uh, the internet without opposition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh it, which is how many of my Christian friends would have it, yeah. which is true, right? Mm-hmm. We all we all think that way. Uh, most Christians would say, "Hey, let's let's avoid um, where the evil is, uh, because let's give them what they want, you know. Uh, let's let's let them be." When in our reality, that's not what love does. Mm-hmm. Love goes to the evil to deliver them from the evil. And uh, if Jesus Christ is truly king over the world, like he says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, then that's where we should be going is to the evil places because, duh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like it, it's, it's a no brainer. And yet we as the Christian church have, have decided against, uh, you know, a, a sound reading of scripture and a, a sound understanding of how we should be preaching the gospel. It's ridiculous. And so we need to get rid of these uh, stigmas. Yeah. Which, what you guys are saying on there is great. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. Love courageously. Um, my favorite verse on the whole topic is um, open rebuke is better than hidden love or uh, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. That's what mo- most Christians are these days. Yeah. We would love rather concealed. Yeah. Love carefully concealed. It's uh, if uh, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. It's as if I just pretend like I'm this really happy individual and uh, you know, people are just going to come up to me and ask me for the reason of this hope that I have in me, which it's like, most people don't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not even really like, yeah. Like people, yeah. people will argue, Oh, like preaching at someone isn't effective. Well, mm-hmm. just waiting for someone to come up to you isn't very effective, is yeah. it? But at least preaching the gospel is being obedient to the Bible. Exactly. And what it says. The Bible doesn't say just wait around for someone and then you can have that opportunity to explain your religion. Yeah. Like, no, that's not how that works. Yeah. 
yeah, you have, yeah. So these are, these are absolutely essentials that we need to get back to. Um, so, so a, a few more verses, just um, less talking about the idea of why this is so important because yeah, it, it is. I mean, we know it, we know it's important to preach the gospel, but we're afraid we're cowards. And so, most people aren't Christians. And so they don't, they don't actually love God. To be Christians, yeah. yeah. Most people who claim to be Christians aren't actually Christians. And so they claim to love God and they claim to love their neighbor. And yet they never obey God's word to do those two things. And the ultimate way of doing those two things, not the penultimate way, the ultimate way of doing those two things would be to preach the gospel. And so uh, it's, 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 it's a no brainer. We have to be preaching the gospel and that's how we love and faith without works is dead. So, okay. So, but going on to, okay, how should we approach these topics? Um, just some verses, uh, uh, one of the greatest tools I found is openbible.info. Uh, great, great website you can go to, um, and just type in a word. And it'll be like 100 Bible verses about blank, you know, and uh, people vote on it. And so it, whatever people vote on is, oh, I think these, these verses are going to be the best in uh, this topic. And so it's a really easy way to be like, oh, huh, that is a really great verse um, for this topic. Obviously, just make sure you get things in context. Yeah. But yeah, so 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 24, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil. Um, and I want to finish up this this passage here, too, um, because I think this first uh, second Timothy. I'm sorry. I may I said first Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two is just great in terms of how Christians should respond. But. uh uh, where did it go? So picking up at verse 23, have nothing to do with, uh, okay, never mind. Sorry. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perchance grab them, grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's so important um, to not get caught up in being like the fool and uh, uh, using the same logic and the same um, means of, of argumentation as the fool does. Mm -hmm. We need to take um, the, the higher road knowing that we're not the ones that need to convince them of this. We correct opponents with gentleness, not with force knowing that God may perhaps grab them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And so that's so important. Um, and uh, that's one of the things that, that I screwed up in one of these arguments um, that actually my dad and I were doing. And um, it got to a point where we knew that this guy was really just mocking. And we thought that he was just really, really dumb and didn't understand what we were saying. So we kept trying to explain it to him. And in all reality, he was just trolling us the whole time. And so then we started trolling him back because it was funny. And that was something we shouldn't have done um, because we should not have anything to do with foolish, ignorant controversies because they only breed quarrels. And uh, uh, it's not, it's not as good of a witness if, if you're engaging the fool in his own argumentation. Um, and granted, we never insulted him or, or uh, like called him names. We never used an ad hominem. Um, we were always, you know, just 
calling out what his argumentation was, but it was pointless. Why do that? We should be correcting opponents with gentleness, knowing that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Um, but yeah, so some other verses, obviously Proverbs 15, one, right? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've learned that on Facebook or any type of social media, because you can't use a tone of voice or body language, every single person, if you disagree with them, every single person is going to assume the absolute worst of you, no matter what you say. So make sure that you think of your argumentation in that, in that way before you post it, before you say it, because they're going to assume the absolute worst. So give them no leeway, give them no reason to, to see your, your words as sarcasm rather than love or, uh, you know, a biting comment rather than just a, a calm, let's point this out. And so you have to be very careful with how you, you use your words, um, because a harsh word stirs up anger and, uh, you know, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that's not Christian. Uh, that's, and we're talking about non-Christians here. And so we have to assume they're thinking the opposite of that. They're, they're assuming the worst of us. And so we have to remember a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Um, uh, another good one is Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Our pace has the Lord. Um, that's a good one. And that's also a verse that God repeats a lot in the New Testament. And I like yeah. that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, obviously, 1 Corinthians 13 is a good one, too. Just knowing if, if, I te- if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, a noisy gong or a cleaning symbol. I, I am a, a noisy gong or a cleaning symbol. What I thought was interesting that I just was thinking about this today, I think, is in context, in context, this is right after 1 Corinthians 12, which is talking about the body of Christ. In the reality, we're talking about love in, in uh, the context of the church, right? If I do something to, to, to another believer, but I have not love, what's the point? Because some people will use this and be like, well, if you're preaching the gospel and yet people don't see it as a loving thing to do, then you're just being a noisy gong or playing a symbol. Irrelevant. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. We preach the gospel. And so even if people don't perceive it as loving, that's irrelevant. It is loving. And so keeping that in context. Um, But it is still very important as to your motivations for doing something like this. Do you want to be right? Are you trying to defend yourself because you want to be right about your position and it makes you feel uncomfortable that people are attacking you? Or is it because you love them? You want them to know the truth. You want them to come to Christ. And so you want to preach the truth to them. Those are two very different things. Um, Proverbs 3.30 is a fun one too. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Um, you know, you don't need to go picking fights. Uh, but we do need to lovingly preach the truth. And then obviously Proverbs 26, four and five answer, not a fool according to his folly, (laughs) lest you be like him yourself Mm -hmm. answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Essentially don't use the same argumentation. Take the higher road. Don't, don't stoop down to his level. Lest you be like him yourself answer the fool according to his folly, make him live in his worldview. 
so that he will not be wise in his own eyes. And if you want to watch a great documentary on that, Cy Ten Brugge and Kate did uh, like an hour long uh, movie thing about how to answer the fool and he's, uh, his experience with atheists and epistemology and apologetics and presuppositional apologetics, all sorts of stuff like that. And it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So uh, how to answer the fool. It's free on YouTube. If you want to check that out. Um, uh, another one, Proverbs 23, nine, do not speak in the hearing of a fool for he will despise the good sense of your words, which is another reason why we shouldn't have kept talking with, um, that fool uh, uh, that I was talking about towards the beginning of this is, you know, he's just going to despise the good sense of your words. Don't waste your time, basically. And if you go to uh, Matthew 7, you know, don't throw your pearls to the swine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a basic thing there. But another one is Proverbs 18, uh, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in, in expressing his opinion. That's a really good one too, to remember that uh, think before you say something. Uh, that's the, so that's the English standard version. I want to see in a different translation, it says um, expressing his own heart. I thought it was very interesting. Like pour, he pours out his heart uh, before um, trying to understand. Okay, so so the most literal translation I know of NASB, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So, so yeah, so I, that that's that's the last verse I think I have, but I thought that was very important too. Um, you know, don't speak out of uh, out of assumptions, right? Don't uh, don't just be trying to throw your opinion out there. It's it that's that's foolish. You should you need to take pleasure in understanding things. You want to understand um, your opponent. Okay, last one, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else anybody else has to say? Otherwise, uh, Chief Erickson wrote, we need to remember that our goal is not to win the argument. We may win the argument, but may have shut that person off. We are trying to help. So act in a helpful way. Proving them wrong may not be helpful at all. And so, yeah, the point is not to embarrass somebody. The point is to help them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's, that's important too. Um. Yeah, it all, it, you know, obviously we need to be always speaking the truth. We always need to be focused on the gospel. Um, there are two things I want to say about that then as well. And boy, am I going on a pre rant. So <laughs> interrupt me if I'm going too long. But uh, you're good. Okay. Two, two last things I would say uh, uh, just about that topic in general. Um, you know, obviously preaching the truth is always necessary. Preaching the gospel is always necessary. And uh, there's a quote by somebody, I don't remember his name, but uh, basically said, um, scare people away from Jesus, scare them where? Hell number two. <laughs> yeah. And so if by speaking the truth and speaking the truth of the gospel, we offend people and they run from Christ, that's great. 
that's that's great because we preach the gospel and now they know where they stand before God. Um, so, so we should never be afraid of scaring people off with the truth. We should be afraid of scaring people off by ourselves from, from what we do, from how we react, how we respond. And so that's what we need to be aware of is why is somebody mad? Why is somebody angry? Why is somebody offended? Is it because of me or is it because of the truth? We have to be discerning about that of give no reason for somebody to say something about you. Give them only the reason of saying, oh, I hate the truth. Don't let them be able to say you're a jerk face. Let them be able to say, I hate the truth. Um, then the last thing I'd say is just a little story that I heard from Jeff Durbin, the Apologia Church, um, about this uh, church that was a part of a church denomination. And they were trying to get a pastor from the church denomination. And so they, they uh, asked the church denomination, hey, send us a pastor. Send us a, a hellfire and brimstone preaching pastor. Um, and so the church denomination sent them a hellfire and brimstone preaching pastor, and they had him for about three months and then fired him, ironically enough. And uh, so then they asked the denomination again for a hellfire and brimstone preaching pastor, um, and they sent him one, and they fired that one after a few months too. And then again, they asked the denomination, hey, send us a hellfire and brimstone preaching pastor, and they did, and they kept this one for five, ten years. And finally, the person at the denomination was, was curious, like, okay, so they, they, you know, hired these two pastors and fired them. And then they kept this third one. I wonder why. And so we called them up and was like, Hey, what's up church? Like, why, why did you fire these first two pastors and, and keep the third? Were they not all hellfire and brimstone preachers? And uh, the church responded, Oh yes, they were all hellfire and brimstone preachers, but this last one acted like he didn't want us to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so that's the most important thing we need to remember as Christians is we can talk about hell and we can talk about sin and we can talk about all of this stuff all we want all day long no matter what. But if we don't try to to say, "Hey, I love you and I don't want you to go there," then it sounds like condemnation. Yeah. And if that's not the truth, then it is condemnation. And so when we talk about these harsh topics, we need to be bold and speak it like it's truth and speak it with, you know, you know, a sense of justice. We also need to speak it with a sense of concern and love. And we can very effectively come across that with a, in our tone, um, which is why arguments on social media are very hard to do. And so as my last advice, as you're leaving from this, you know, maybe fired up to go start this giant argument on Facebook. Um, don't, don't try to engage with people on social media that you don't see in everyday life. Um, for instance, my coworkers, I'm not going to start a Facebook argument with them. I'll just talk with them in person because it's easy for me to do so. I can, and it's better that way. But for people I don't see on a regular basis, I only see every month or something like that. I'm totally fine with having a, a social media conversation because I might not be able to have this conversation otherwise. And so I would say that's probably, that's at least my rule of thumb is if I'm not going to see them in the next month and there's this opportunity here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, because speaking the truth is, is more important 
than doing it in the most humanly effective way. Because it's not up to our effectiveness, it's up to God's. And that's what changes the game for us. So yeah, any other last thoughts? I mean, on that note, um, I'll say that um, I am looking at going to the Camus and Washougal City Councils on the 3rd and 10th of June to oh, okay. talk to them about um, about making making those cities as sanctuary cities for the unborn, um, yeah. if only to set an example for, you know, Vancouver and Portland, some more um, more progressive areas around us that don't have those um, standards, because as far as I know, we don't have any active abortion clinics where abortions actually happen in our area, um, besides in, you know, Vancouver and Portland and very, very progressive places that are around us. Um, and so uh, anyone listening to this, if you'd like to pray, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very yeah. needed. Um, and that, that I would get some support from, um, uh, I've, I've talked to my pastor through all of this and um, we're trying to, we're going to try to get some of the congregation involved if, even if only to, you know, be there and just, be able to stand in support of um of that and also for the fact that i'm not just asking them to recognize that um you know a child in the womb is a human and it's worth protecting but also that i'm preaching the gospel and that they would be responsive to that yeah and that that ultimately would be the catalyst that would make a change in our area that would um that would cause them to want to protect that life. Right. Yeah. Um, by the way, when are we coming down? What's the date for that? June 19th. June yeah. 19th. Okay. You should know this by now, Connor. <laughs> I don't. It's a month away. <laughs> yeah. It is less than a month away. Yeah. Harley Pinch. Yeah. yeah. A day less than a yeah. month. <laughs> so excited about that. Yeah. No more comments? No more thoughts? I don't for me, any. I went on a rant, my friend. You did, and I liked it. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool stuff. Well, uh, that I think that brings us to a close for today's episode of The Christian Artist. Thank you guys for hanging and chatting, chatting it up. Um, we had some good conversations. <laughs> uh, I love reading what you guys write. Um, real quick shout out to my first ever patron, on Patreon, uh, nice. Ethan Stoltzfus, uh, the second biggest fan of the Christian <laughs> artist after Carly. I don't know if we can keep calling you the biggest fan, Carly, <laughs> after you are on it. Um, so maybe I'm Ethan... still the biggest fan, but that ranking can also be transferred to someone else because I'm. More <laughs> <than a fan. laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if if Carl if we don't count Carly, then you are our biggest <laughs> fan, Ethan, and we appreciate yeah. you very much. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, he, he signed up for the $5 tier. Um, and, nice. uh, so he gets a whole bunch of goodies. And so I need to, I need to like actually start, uh, <laughs> like getting stuff out there on my, on my Patreon. But yeah, this is another reminder that I, I do have a, a Patreon, um, and, uh, you get music and writing and 
other things, such as a shout out on your favorite <laughs> Twitch show. And that's, I assumed that Ethan wanted us to shout him out on the Christian artist because I don't think he watches yeah. the other shows. Yeah. Um, so here's our shout out to you, Ethan. Thank you so very much um, for your support and for listening to the Christian artist for all these years. Uh, we love mm-hmm. you and uh, we hope that you continue listening yeah. and uh, enjoy it. Um, but yeah, this is the Christian artist. You can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian artist show and our website at Christian artist show.com. We'll be back next week with something else. Who knows? We've been going we for a really long time with regular weekly episodes. Like we have yeah. a really yeah. good streak going. I yeah. feel like uh, we should like, I mean, we'll, we will have points coming up soon when we don't have. Yeah. I think Mondays that we that won't work. Mm-hmm. But like it it will it might be nice to actually be able to post the rest of the uh the sermons from the Ten yeah. Commandments series. <laughs> oh yeah. We're I, we were going through and then we just never had a bonus episode because we never had a time where we weren't doing an episode. So I don't know. I maybe I could probably all also just release them like as yeah. midweek. As, like actual bonus yeah. yeah as bonus episodes. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see what I do. I'll have time this week to kind of figure out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Patreon and my website and uh, the Christian artist included. Um, so we'll be back Thursday with another episode of Terranolius, episode 40 of Terranolius. Very excited about that. Um, wow. We're going to meet the hummingbird suitor and find out why he's called the hummingbird suitor. It's a, <laughs> they're going to be a fae and uh, recruit him to the cause to uh bring the bring about the downfall of a certain UNT. Um it's, it's gonna be good. Uh I don't think there's anything else going on this week. Connor, what are you doing on Saturday? Uh something. I don't remember what. Why? I'm just trying to think. I really want to play outward again. We should find us a, a time this week oh, sometime. Yeah no to play no, I'm, some outward. I'm busy. I'm busy all day Saturday. Okay. I remember why. Well, if we we should we should see if there's any point this week where it ends up being. Do you, do you have you work on Thursday? Yes. Until four. Yes. And then are you guys doing street witnessing after that? Yes. Okay. Yes. I well, I forgot maybe about we'll that. have time. Maybe we won't. But I want to play outward again and stream it because that's fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's that's it from us. Here in the Christian Artist, we'll be back next week with something. And yep. uh, thank you all for listening and watching. 